We listen now for God's word as it comes to us from the Gospel of John. John tells some fascinating stories. And he's a little long-winded, so we've trimmed this story just slightly. But it is a marvelous story about those who come to see who Jesus is and those who are still blinded. Listen for God's word for you. Now, as he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciple asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it's someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go wash, go to Siloam and wash. And then I went and I washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. Well, Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, and who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we're not blind, are we? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? And so, dear God, we come before you and ask that by the power of your grace, you might open our eyes, that you might illuminate the truth. For we come and we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So it was kind of fun this weekend. Um, I don't know where you might have been on Friday night when the earth shook. I was seated at the kitchen table a little after 9 o'clock when it rolled through. The next morning, I woke up to see an email from one of our members who 
had also woken up Saturday morning and decided to read this current issue of Community Connections, the church newsletter. My cover article is entitled, Where Were You When the Earth Shook? As they say, timing is everything. In that article, I wrote these words. The Lord still rumbles through our lives to shake loose our petty certainties, inviting us to live in a much more dynamic creation where shifting plates are bringing about a new landscape by God's design. The power of the resurrection of Christ has the capacity to gather up all our broken pieces, our pain, the evil we experience, and heal it and transform it just as the crucifixion was transformed by the resurrection. So if you feel the ground beneath your feet rumbling and your life feels like it's falling apart, maybe it's the power of Christ's resurrection about to shake something loose. Well, the story this morning that I just read, we hear about a man who receives sight from Jesus And the landscape around him begins to rumble and shift and it shakes loose all sorts of petty certainties. It's a story about belief and sight. It's a story about a physical healing and spiritual blindness. And it's masterfully written in the Gospel of John. Here this man born blind receives sight for the first time and ironically what he sees are a bunch of people who prove themselves to be blind. One problem solved, but it led to a whole myriad of more complex problems and Jesus is just standing there in the center of this whole constellation of issues. Now, in the story, Jesus disappears from the narrative, from the action for a while. While this conflict remains about Jesus, and who sees him correctly? Jesus disappears when the man goes to wash in the pool of Siloam. And then he reappears after the blind man has been tossed out from the synagogue on his ear for telling the truth. Whereupon the man comes to faith and worships Jesus as Lord. So somehow it seems that the message is, when it comes to Jesus at least, apparently what you see is what you get. Here, in the light of Christ, the man both sees clearly and is seen clearly. Now there are several possible responses that the story unfolds curiosity is one that's the the initial response is one of curiosity the neighbors the friends even the parents want to know what happened to change this guy's life but the implications of claiming that his healing had something to do with Jesus meant that they would be thrown out of the synagogue and banished from the community So their curiosity gave way to their fear. That's another response that people have to Jesus. 
And then many of those in the story who think they know the answers respond with anger and threats. Their worldview itself is called into question by the presence of Jesus and his healing touch. And it's clear in the story that vision can be resisted. Now the reality is if you only believe in what you see, you'll never be a very good scientist. Great scientists have much more imagination than we may think. Scientific discovery requires far more creative thinking than we may imagine. In science, if we believe what we see, our theory will very often be false and misleading. Just think of it. Scientists make astonishing claims that matter is energy, that light is subject to gravitational pull, that if we increase the speed of an object, we reduce its passage in time. All of that begins to sound like fantasy, yet it's what scientists believe to be true. Scientific enterprise is impossible without imagination and vision and creativity. It begins with this sense of wonder. Sir Isaac Newton, that scientist of several centuries ago, once said, I do not know what I may appear to be to others, but to myself, I seem only a boy playing on a seashore with a whole ocean of truth which lies undiscovered before me. I wonder if that isn't what this man born blind encountered that day when he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. A whole ocean of truth stood before him in Jesus. I read an article recently in the Smithsonian about Peter Higgs and the Higgs boson. He's a theoretical physicist who posited mathematically that the source of a particle's mass is influenced by the environment, a kind of environment like if you were scuba diving underwater and you were watching the effect of the water on things under the sea. He wrote an article and he submitted it in 1964 to a physics journal and it was promptly rejected as of no obvious relevance to physics. Well, eventually he got it published in another journal and it would take half a century to prove his theory true. And just over a year ago, early on the morning of July the 4th, 2012, there was a live stream press conference held at the Large Hadron Collider facility in Geneva, Switzerland. Two independent teams of researchers had announced a strong indication that the Higgs particle had been found. There was sufficient evidence to stake a definitive claim. So the article celebrated the fact that it had to be imagined before it could be discovered. That there's this elegance to the universe. It functions by 
mathematical principles that can be understood. Higgs proposed that the observable data didn't discredit the theory, but there must be a peculiar environment acting upon objects that all space is uniformly filled with this invisible substance, the Higgs field, that exerts drag on particles when they accelerate through it. It's a bit like discovering that the Earth's magnetic field points north. Okay, so I'm way out of my league here as a pastor. But I think you get my point. Even in the observable universe, there are unseen forces and realities that we're only beginning to understand. The Higgs field, widely anticipated, rarely seen. Throughout history, there have been those who have witnessed Christ acting in the world and on their lives, and it has so changed their perspectives about the world and their place in it, and especially about God's activity in the world through Christ. So, we heard Reverend Bateman talk about Fanny Crosby this morning, another woman who was blind from birth, Helen Keller, was once asked by someone, isn't it terrible to be blind? To which she replied, it's more terrible to have eyes and not see. So I guess the question to us this morning that this text wants to ask, what is it that we're pretending not to see? Maybe it's a child in trouble in your family, headed down the wrong road. This week, my niece landed in a hospital after a drug overdose. We all knew it was coming. Could see it coming. Didn't know what to do, how to intervene or how to change the situation. Maybe for you, it's time to really own up to the fact that you know somebody in your organization, under your employee perhaps, who is affecting the entire team with their cynicism, and you've got to confront it. But you turn a blind eye because it might require something from you. Every time I go downtown, I find it difficult to look at homelessness. I feel so helpless. We support ministries that seek to assist the homeless downtown and more locally, but it just seems that the problem is so large and the assistance is so little. I often turn a blind eye to those who approach my car seeking money at the off-ramp or the on-ramp of the freeway Or maybe for you, you're just continuing to pretend that the changes that are taking place in your life are not happening. You discount the hospitalizations and the falls, believing you have many more good years to live in that house, and unwilling to see that things are changing and it's time to plan for the future, possibly even 
residing somewhere where you can get the assistance you need. The point is there's more to life than meets the eye. And we often turn a blind eye to the things we don't know how to deal with or face. Sometimes we create the world we want rather than the one that is. And our worldviews get distorted. Some even dismiss the idea that faith in Christ makes any difference at all. Like that journal to which Higgs submitted his first theory. It's of no obvious relevance. Sometimes we're required to evaluate our beliefs and may even have to give up cherished perspectives. I wonder how many times I may have missed some new insight the Lord was leading me to understand, some greater clarity that God would have me focus upon, and I missed it because it would require something from me. I might have to change what I think and what I do with my time and my money. I might have to throw in with some people who don't share my political viewpoints or my educational background or my income level or culture or language. I got to tell you, even in the ministry here in the church, you can lose your perspective pretty easily. Committee meeting after committee meeting. The challenges of the details and so much needed, so little time can leave you feeling overwhelmed, can leave you cynical. And all of a sudden, what is sacred becomes somehow commonplace and ordinary and mundane. And then every once in a while, somebody comes along, usually outside the church community. They come along, someone for whom faith is coming alive. And they see life with new eyes. And I realize looking at them and through them, what a joy it is to handle the holy things. How marvelous God's creation is. And it's like spit and mud and paste on my own eyes. And I try to wash so I can see again. So in the 8th chapter of John, Jesus said to those who believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is the truth that you don't want to see this morning? That you turn a blind eye toward, maybe it's time to go wash and see that truth. Because it can set you free. I love that we don't have to be afraid of the truth, no matter where it comes from. From science from a loving spouse, from a counselor. Because Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. So may God give us the grace to see clearly 
and the faith and the courage to do what he would have us do, to worship him most of all. Amen.